The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome aboard. Your boy Big Sills here on the National Football Show. How the hell are you doing? What another day in sports today, right? Unbelievable, man. What another day in sports with all this sidebar news about vaccinations and such. And God, I can't tell you how obnoxious it is. I I, I just can't. Because personally, watch this. Here's my take on Aaron Rodgers. I don't really care. I don't really care, okay? I don't care if he's vaccinated or not. If you could play, you know what's funny? NFL teams and NFL organizations and coaches constantly ask us this. Hey, can you go this weekend? Funny, you know, I'll never forget this, my rookie year. So my rookie year, I end up hurting my knee against the Cardinals in St. Louis. This to show you how old I am. Ray Perkins comes to me and he goes, can you go this weekend? I had a chip bone spur inside my knee that needed to be cleaned out, but it was too late in the week. He goes, I need you. Can you go? So they gave me a cortisone shot. They got me ready to go, and I went out and played, and then the next Monday I had a scope, and then I ended up playing against the Lions that respected weekend. Percocets and Percodans, they gave me just to get me on the field. They were paying me $30,000 back in the late 80s, which is a lot of week. And I'm thinking to myself today, COVID-19, really? You keep a guy out longer going through this idiotic protocol than you do when a guy gets a concussion in the NFL. I'm supposed to believe the league cares about player safety. You know, what happened to the old notion, if you, hey, if you're standing, you go. What happened to that, man? Jesus. I guess that's just the modern-day NFL guy today, right? Jermaine. Jermaine got a good – he got a good taste yesterday. He got a good taste yesterday of what goes on on the Internet with Big Sills. All right. I want to start this out. Robert, you're awesome. Thank you very much. And I'm going to get to you guys. I swear here in a minute. No, before I get to my take here, how I want to start the show off on Jalen Hurts, I want to thank everybody each and every single day. Please, as you guys are all rolling in here now, please hit the like button. We so appreciate it. Carlos, Jermaine, Paul, Robert, thank you. You guys are great. You become part of the content of the show. We have so much stuff to hit on today here. I'm going to start it off here with a Jalen Hurts take here in a second. Um, So your stuff that we ask to bring into the show with content, we, we, we can't thank you enough. All right, let me start this out. You know, each week we have now done this with Jalen Hurts, the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Is he a bridge quarterback to get to the next dude? Are we seeing improvement? What were the grades we gave him? How is he done in the first eight weeks of the NFL season, right? We've gone through all these topics. Well, let's put something on the organization here now. Have they put too much on the plate 
for a first-year starter. Let's take a look at the first-year starters in the NFL that are pretty new to the league. They take care of people like Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson when he was healthy with the Jets or even Mac Jones with the New England Patriots. I ask you, have the Eagles put too much on the plate of Jalen Hurts and have they done it too soon? Because I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a history lesson with me and how I became an NFL player and maybe what led to my demise. You know, one of the reasons that I didn't think that I played a long time in the league, my whole situation was weird. On a Friday, I was a Miami Hurricane. Sunday, I'm playing against the 1987 Chicago Bears and Walter Payton in his final game at Tampa Stadium. I mean, I, I couldn't believe where I was. I was supposed to be playing the Gators Saturday. Then I turned around on Sunday and played against the Bears. It was crazy. It was like a 24-hour deal. I was playing pro football. And there I was on the field with Walter Payton, playing against Jim McMahon. Man, it was so much intel and so much over my head, I couldn't believe it. It was so over my head. I mean, the things, the techniques, what they were asking me. It was a brand new system. Man, I went from a four-front to a three-front, defensive fronts, three-four, four-four, for four-three, excuse me. And man, I, I didn't know where I was. I, I, I couldn't tell you from a three technique to a zero technique to a one technique because all the things that I had learned did not apply to where I was, where my feet were. That's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I, it was so over my head. Even when I got into the offseason, even when I was studying, it still was over my head. It's a lot to learn. It's a lot to process. I can't just imagine what the quarterback position is. You've got to know defensive fronts. You've got to know blocking schemes. You've got to know pass plays. You've got to know audibles. You've got to know when to check down. You've got to know when to audible out of a particular uh, offense into maybe man or zone blocking. All of this stuff is being put at the feet of Jalen Hurts. So I ask you, are we being too critical? And now look, I want to throw this in there too. When you're being paid like you're being paid and where you're being drafted where you're being drafted in the second round, there are expectations. So what I don't want to do is sound like a guy is giving excuses. This is professional football. And I get when you get to this position – You've got to be in a position to excel. There's very few of these jobs. There's only 32 jobs on the planet that say starting quarterback. So I get it. But how many times have we seen teams and how many times have we seen players? It takes, it's not so much developing guys as it is processing the information. Do we agree? It's learning the playbook. It's learning your coordinator. I mean, you're trying to tell me like over the last eight weeks of regular season play, this is all that the play calling head coach and the quarterback have really gotten together here where they're in live action. Are we, are, are, are we, are we expecting too much? Are we, 
putting too much on the plate of this kid. Jermaine says, but I don't think they really believe in him, and I don't think they believed in him from the start. Ewing says, I definitely believe it's too much for him, especially this early in his career. Carlos, Jalen needs to be a backup and develop as intended. Okay? That's what he was drafted for. He was never drafted to be the guy that you gave the keys of the car to. Blue says this, no, I don't think he has too much on his plate. And if he does, I would want my franchise quarterback to be able to handle that. I'll tell you what, man, Blue, see, that's an NFL coach's mentality and an NFL general manager's mentality. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, especially a second-round draft choice, right? Expectations should be high for that position. You know, when, when you're drafted in the top three rounds, those are premium picks. You're expected to play, and if you're a first-rounder, you're expected to start. Smile says, Hurts, overwhelmed, overwhelmed has nothing with Hurts' inability to use the left side of the field. He seems to be only capable of playing to the right. Smile, I want to give you something here on that. Okay? Hey, Robert, by the way, I just want to add this into the conversation. They've decided to put Dak and not play him against Denver this week. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Smile says he, it seems that Jalen Hurts can only go to his right. Smile, do you know early part of Joe Montana's career? He can only go to his right? The big throw that he had with, you know, in the NFC Championship game with Dwight Clark, he was rolling right. And that was one of the things that Bill Walsh developed Joe Montana as because Joe had a favorite side of the field. And this is kind of what Nick Sirianni is doing to, um, to Jalen Hurts. So quite frankly, I don't believe that what he's doing coaching-wise I don't think it's out of any other, you know, crazy thought process that he found his favorite side of the field and they're utilizing their offensive game plan and their playbook to Jalen's favorite side. He's managing half the field. That's traditionally what you do with a young quarterback. Most guys, listen, that's why you see a lot of guys dropping back Okay, in the NFL, those are really your successful guys. And the guys that are in shotgun, remember something. Guys in shotgun in college football are told where to throw the ball. When you're in the NFL, that's why shotgun's not the greatest thing on the planet for a quarterback. Because why is that? You traditionally turn your football offensive team into a one-dimensional team. The defensive line and linebackers and corners, they know what's going on. They know you're going to throw the football. You give them an advantage of what's going to happen, at least on this play. It's a pass play. You're trying to give as much advantages to your side of the ball as possible. Snap count. Snap cadence. Snap cadence is key, too, by the way. The great quarterbacks like Elway were exceptional at that. And so all of these things we're talking about here, all these things we're talking about takes time. Have the Eagles put too much on his plate? Nick says, yeah, Montana worked 50 years ago. Let's see that type of offense work today. Nick, good point. 
I think Joe Montana would throw for 7,000 yards today. I think Jerry Rice would have 2,000 reception yards. I think Jerry Rice would have 200 catches. You mean to tell me you can't put your hands on Rice and you really can't jam guys at the line like you did back in the day? Or better yet, you really can't hit these guys in open space with targeting and defenseless wide receiver? Jerry Rice, you're going to do that too. Coming across the middle. Good luck to you, dude. You never defend him. You couldn't defend Dan Marino today. You couldn't defend him. You mean to tell me you can't hit Marino? <laughs> if you can't hit Elway or Marino or Montana, why do you think these guys are playing with these consecutive streaks like to over 200 consecutive games at the quarterback position? Why do you think you're seeing that? The reason you're seeing that is because you can't touch these guys anymore. Even Tom Brady has complained about the physicality being taken out of the sport. You had to be tough to make receptions across the middle back in the day. Today, it's about skill, nine-on-seven stuff. It's not you. Maybe the play – so you're telling me you don't think Jerry Rice and Joe Montana would be good today. Wow. I completely disagree with that. I completely – 100% disagree with that. Carlos is Dan. Who is in the draft room with Howie? And why don't we have anybody that can sway away Howie and Jeff so that listen to common sense when it comes to making these selections? Don't they have any scouts? Dude, nobody's going to stand up to Howie Roseman on draft night along with the owner of the Eagles. Nobody's going to do that. When these guys – here, I'll show you how it works on draft night. Okay, depending on where you're picking. Obviously, if you're the first pick, you get the run of the board. Say you're picking at 10. You'll have up there top 20 guys in order. Not by need, but in order of best player. Then you'll have another sheet, uh, another sheet by need. Best players, need. And you'll look at the board. That's why they never show you the draft board. You ever notice NFL Network and ESPN never show you the draft board for these teams and who they have up on the board? They never show you that. But they have them like this. I've been in those rooms. And they have them. And that's why they'll get down. They'll go like this. Best player available, these two guys. Our need is over here at wideout. That's why this, they, they sometimes don't collide with one another. Sometimes you go, we need a receiver, and there he is. And this is how you overdraft or underdraft sometimes. Because you go like this, man, we really need a wideout. Or, man, we really need an offensive tackle. And his grade not, may not be that high. But he's the highest graded OT. That's called overdrafting. And that's what you get with issues when it comes to overdrafting. Again, to circle back, though, I'm not going to give Jalen Hurts a hall pass on this one. But what I am going to do is say this. There's a lot on this kid's plate. And he's struggling at times, just like every other rookie quarterback is struggling. What's he had, 10 starts? Something like that, 10 or 11 starts? That's really not a lot to sit there and evaluate the kid. Now, have I seen enough with the 11 games? I pretty much know who he is right now. 
Could he develop into being more accurate? I don't know that. He wasn't accurate at Alabama. For that matter, he wasn't really all that accurate at Oklahoma. And he sure as hell hasn't been accurate in the NFL. So why am I going to believe that that's going to change? Just like with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold was a turnover machine at Southern Cal. He's still a turnover machine. Josh Rosen couldn't stay healthy at UCLA. Josh Rosen has never been able to stay healthy and never been able to really show if he was a good quarterback or not. And now guess who he is? Now he's a journeyman and only three years after being drafted in the first round by the Cardinals. It just shows you how hard that position is. Okay? Just shows you how hard. So it's just a question for me that I see all of this put out there on the plate for, for, for Jalen, and it's almost a remedy for failure, especially when you don't have pieces behind the kid that can help the kid. All right. Justin says offense is king in today's NFL. Absolutely. That's why they've changed so much. That's absolutely true. True. The only thing accurate is your take. <laughs> Okay, runner-up to the Heisman. That doesn't mean anything to me in the NFL. Herbert and Mahomes are both throwing a lot of picks. Yeah, because you know what? It's risk it or biscuit. You know, no risk it, no biscuit here. Here, let me throw this at you now. Let's go into this one here. I'm starting to hear this now, that as we're getting into the midway part of the NFL season, Teams are going to start getting themselves in position for the upcoming April NFL draft. And they've got to determine. And if you go back to my interview that I had with Frank Reich, Frank Reich was on this program, and I asked Frank, Frank, when you guys were making a decision on going after Carson Wentz or going after a kid in the college draft, when did you know that you guys were going to go for a veteran quarterback? He said my whole thought process, and I'm paraphrasing here, my thought process was is that I wanted a veteran guy and a guy that potentially that I had worked with. And obviously the choice was in Philadelphia for Carson Wentz. He goes, and when we knew he could become available, that's the guy I wanted. I didn't want anybody in the draft. I didn't want to sit there because we have a ready-made team. I think they do too. I think they had a horrific loss against the Titans. I think they were in control of that game for about three quarters until Wentz had – maybe the brutalest eight minutes of football I've seen this year so far by a quarterback. They're brutal eight minutes. Brutal eight minutes. So organizations, Howie now, having gone through the, having gone through the ropes here with potentially trying to acquire Deshaun Watson, it looks like now Seattle and Russell Wilson are going to part ways this coming offseason. So I would throw this at you here. Would you give up three first-round draft choices for Russell Wilson? David says, I agree. Hurts needs time. A lot on his plate. But guys like Justin Herbert and Mahomes are to blame. Oh, okay. There's a part of that that because they've had such instant success, I would throw Joe Burrow in that conversation. William, thank you so much, brother. Maria says, what does run-pass ratio need to be for the Eagles to win? On Sunday, I say 25, 35. 
somewhere in there. But you got to remember, you got to keep it around 60 plays. I don't want Jalen Hurts throwing more passes than the team attempts and rushing attempts. That team should never have that. That team should never have a run-pass ratio where you've thrown the ball more. Look at what the reason that the Cowboys are winning in Dallas now for. It's because you're starting to see more balance in the running attack. How many games this year have you seen Dak throw for under 200 yards or for around 217, 225, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and they're running the ball for 150 yards? Man, that's how you win games. No turnovers, low penalties, efficient on third down, 65 plays somewhere in there, and you have a balanced ratio. That's what you need to do. Carl says Eagles aren't on his list. Carl, I would say this to you. Well, make him be. Make him be. I, I hate when I hear that. Let's get to yes. Well, he's not on Russell Wilson. So you would go to Chicago. You know the idiotic comments that people were saying about Russell Wilson wanting to play in Chicago? What's different from Chicago versus Seattle? They both right now are on flames in defense. Both O-lines aren't very good. Why would you go to Chicago? Wilson in Pittsburgh? I do think that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler next year. I do believe that. So that leaves Russell Wilson. I don't believe Deshaun Watson is going to go any place other than Miami. So where does Russell Wilson play? Why would he play in New York? Another case, poor old line. Denver. Now that's a good place. And plus, we're talking AFC. Okay? Where, where, where else would he fit? Tennessee with Derrick Henry? Carolina. Remember, he played at NC State for the majority of his career. I say this to you if you're Philadelphia. Make that guy be on your list. James says, I'd give my firstborn for Wilson or Rodgers. Justin says, Wilson wanted to come to Philly originally. Ewing says, Howie is good for making trades. Ewing, that's one thing he does do. That's why I would say this. What would make Howie Roseman an absolute superstar in Philadelphia? Drafting in the upcoming April draft? Orlando, Deshaun Watson, or Russell Wilson. You want to save your job? Land one of those guys. People in Philly will have a different perspective of you. Not by your draft choices, because quite candid, over the last three years, four years, your drafts haven't been great, Howie. But if Howie Roseman can land either Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun, or Deshaun Watson, or a Russell Wilson, it'll change his entire perspective on how the Philadelphia Eagle fans think of him. And it may actually be something that you put next to a resume. Hey, I won the 17 championship, and then look what I did. I brought Russell Wilson into the city of brotherly love. That's what I'd be thinking. Because sitting around collecting 11 draft choices, it's not going to change people's perspective of you. You have flopped in the draft. 
there's, there's no getting around it. And by the way, that's just not Big Sills talking here. He's not been a very good drafter or a talent evaluator. But you land Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, somebody like that. You have the assets. You know, I love when people are saying this. Sills, he don't want to come here. I, 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 don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You play in the NFC East? So wait a minute. I get to play in Washington, Dallas, New York, and Philly, where all the major networks always put on prime time. Yeah, right. Okay, sure. Where? Where would I want to play? New York? I'm not playing in New York. They don't have anything to offer. You've got to be a salesman here. You've got to be a salesman. Okay, I want to hit more on this. How realistic is this to land Russell Wilson? I think that that's the top priority right now for Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles front office. I think they're targeting him. They have the assets. What? Hey, by the way, what general manager? Let me just show you this before we go to a timeout. What general manager, if I did this? Hey, um, Howie Roseman here with the Eagles. I'd like to have a conversation with you. Okay? It's about Russell Wilson. By the way, John Lynch called up the Patriots, wanted to try to make a deal for Tom Brady a few years back. John told me on my show that, the general manager of the 49ers. They, they, but that's how they got Garoppolo. Garoppolo was put, he goes, no, we'll offer up Garoppolo, though. That's how they got Jimmy G. It, the call wasn't initially for Brady. I mean, for, um, for Garoppolo, the call was initially for Brady. So here. Yeah, I got three first-rounders. Okay, well, let me get with my ownership, and let me get with my personnel people. And if you guys want to put a small package together, it'll be under the radar. Nobody will know. We'll sit here and keep this in-house, both departments, and we'll see if we can um, at least have a dialogue. I'll get back to you in the next 48 hours. That's usually how long it takes to construct one of these deals. Think about it. We'll take a timeout. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mets and Associates.
toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back. National Football Show, your boy Dan Silver. Hey, Jim Miller from the Los Angeles Times will join us in hour number two. He covers the Los Angeles Chargers. A little bit of a bumpy game last week, no, against the Patriots. I mean, I can't believe that they looked as poorly as they did. But, again, anytime you go against a great coach football team that Belichick is on, you're in for your hands full there, man. Hey, he gave them everything. And once again, a young coach outcoached by Bill Belichick. So a little bit more there. We'll talk with Jim. That'll be in hour number two. You want to bring anything to the program? We always add you guys to our content. I'm going to get to a little bit more here with Russell Wilson, but let's go to David. That's the whole thing. You need to get rid of Howie. David, stop that. You're not getting rid of Howie. Howie's going nowhere. Stop wasting your energy with that. Trev, appreciate you coming aboard. Just stop that. He's not going anywhere. You're right, but he's not going anywhere because he could still hang his hat on 17. He's not going anywhere. He's got 11 draft choices. The next April draft is going to make him or break him in the eyes of how people see him and the job that he did in Philly. This is going to come down to three days on how Howie Roseman has been as general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, you have to give credit where credit is due. What was it? 15, he had no power in the room. 17, they won the championship. He, he has a resume that he has to still fill in some chapters to. How many times have we – look at Doug – Look at what they did to Doug Peterson. You see, the more failure that the Eagles have, the better the resume of Doug Peterson looks, doesn't it? The better it looks. You see, that's why Jimmy, jo Jimmy uh, Johnson and Jerry Jones have had this battle for over 30 years, it seems. Who was more important in Dallas, Jimmy or Jerry? Well, Jerry Jones has not been able to duplicate anything that they did when Jimmy was in the room for him, making all football decisions. They haven't even gotten close. Do you know the Dallas Cowboys have not gotten to a conference championship game until the team was finally disassembled and torn apart 
because of age or what have you, after the years of Jimmy Johnson, they've never gone back to an NFC championship game. If you're such a great GM and you're such a great talent evaluator, why haven't you been able to duplicate that? I want to give you guys another story here. East Camden, we keep blaming Howie, but we need to blame. Look, another thing, though, Camden, he's the owner. He's not going anywhere. He, he's just not going anywhere. Okay? He's not going anywhere. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Let me tell you a guy, though, that is, in my lifetime, probably the greatest gentleman. Who do you think in the last... Who do you think in the last 20 years has been the best GM in the NFL? Who do you think has been the best GM? If you had to pick one guy over the last 25 years to build your football team, who would it be? Give me one guy. One guy. And I'll give you a reason why. That guy is the best general manager over the last 25 years. Xander, put up Matthew. Put up Matthew. Ozzie Newsom. Bingo. Best GM in the NFL in the last 25 years. You know why? Look at what he did with different quarterbacks, different coaches. Brian Billick, John Harbaugh, Joe Flacco, Trent Dilfer. Look at how he changed the roster over quarterbacks, coaches. Kyle Buller, thank you very much. Okay, so he does miss every now and then. Think of all the guys that went through that Baltimore franchise and he won with. Didn't matter who the coach was. Didn't matter who the running back was. Didn't matter who the quarterback was. Didn't matter who was playing on defense. Ozzie replaced it. Same philosophy, but how he had, how, how he had that eye for talent on both the coaching level and also the player level, is remarkable. And then, what does he do now in his third act? What is his parting gift he leaves? Lamar Jackson. Nobody wanted him. Remember Tom Telesco, what Tom Telesco said? Hey, do you think you can try out for wide receiver? Remember, they wanted to bring him in. They wanted to bring him in and work him out at wideout. Lamar said, I'll have none of that. David said, like I said, get rid of Howie because nobody wants to coach this team. At least respect the coach. Get somebody in there. Get somebody that has power. I agree. Bill Polian, of course, said that. He'll never make it in this league unless he's going to change positions. Absolutely. Those are the kind of general managers that win championships and they restructure the team. They are able. This is what made Don Shula a great coach, guys. Don Shula went from running the ball 
with Larry Zonka, Mercury Morris, and Jim Kick back in the day. They won three straight AFC championships, two Super Bowls, and one of those teams was undefeated and the only undefeated NFL champion. Think of that for a minute. You want to know what the greatest run is in football and the greatest team? That Dolphin team that went to three straight AFC championships, winning two Super Bowls, and one of those teams undefeated, and you're beating teams like the... You're beating teams like the Steelers. You're beating teams like the Raiders. But what does Shula do, okay? He eventually loses all those guys to the World League, okay? He still gets a team to the Super Bowl. He still gets a team to the Super Bowl. What was it, David Archer or somebody like that, that he ended up taking to a Super Bowl? They lost to the Washington team. Then he gets Marino. They air raided out, and he changes it. The reason Don Shula has so many wins in NFL history because he adjusted, ground and pound, makeshift quarterback. Dan Marino changed his entire philosophy to the talent around him. Those are That's something that has escaped Philadelphia right now. That's escaped them. They think they could do the same crap that they did in 17 and 2021. You're not building the team. They don't like to run the ball. Where in your right mind would you have that philosophy? This is what kind of philosophy you have to have if you're a front office. Who are my players? What do I have? Let's build the offense around what I have, not what I want. The Eagles want to throw the ball like Dak, and they want to throw the ball like Mahomes. They want to throw the ball like Justin Herbert. He's drafting wide receivers. But when you draft wide receivers, you better have Russell Wilson. You better have Patrick Mahomes. He's drafting top-flight wideouts with a C or D, like we said yesterday, accurate quarterback in the NFL. No wonder the team's three and five. You're not playing to your team's strengths, and that's why all of a sudden we see this. Well, they ran the ball 46 times, and they had great success. That's because that's stuff that they don't want to do. But that's their – imagine this. The coaching staff in the front office are fighting the team's – a game plan around who you are. They want to build the game plan around who you're not. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And that's why you're seeing so much inconsistency when it comes to the play calling. Every week, it's different. This week here, watch this. We're going to talk to Jim Miller in hour number two from the Los Angeles Times. And let me say this to you. Here's here's. Here's would be my approach. If I had my short game plan and I put some things down on player and I was a quality control coach and I was putting some of the plays down, hey, to me, man, I'd run the same plays I ran last week if I were the Eagles because the Chargers have not shown an ability to be able to stop the run. They just have not shown an ability to stop the run. Why would you fight that if you're Philadelphia and not attack the same thing that the Patriots attacked Last week, Mac Jones, are you suggesting then 
that you think Mac Jones, Mac Jones didn't have that game put in his hands. They ran the hell out of the football last week against the Chargers, and they played good defense, and they got turnovers. That's how they won that game. No turnovers, good pass-to-run ratio. They didn't have any kind of penalties, and that's how they beat them. They ran the ball, and they didn't surrender their mentality on running the ball. Brandon says how he's been sniffing around Seattle. Yeah, but get this. Who hasn't? Who in their right mind needing a quarterback is not sniffing around Seattle? Completely true. Dre says, I get the feeling front office saw enough of Hurts and told Sirianni last game, go coach to win. Dre, that's a good spin. That's a great spin, Dre. Because I'll say this to you, just like in San Francisco, Dre, what quarterback gives him the best chance to win games? That's Jimmy Garoppolo. That's why Garoppolo's going to play all the way out the rest of the season. Kyle Shanahan needs to win games. It's one thing to keep talking about developing Trey Lance. Dude, by the way, third putting him on the field, I need to win some ball games to save my job. Because if he goes underwater again for the fourth time in five years, meaning that he's under 500 as a coach, that's a problem for me. That is totally a problem for me. Carl says people have been brainwashed to think running the ball is boring football. Carl, you know what's crazy? And I said this to you guys yesterday, and I'll say it again. Since 1920, running the ball, stopping the run. Those are the two fundamental things that, without a question, have made it so that teams could be competitive and stay in ball games. That's how the Titans win. Jermaine, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Really a lot, man. Means a lot. I honestly think that Howie wants to reinvent the way the game is played. Age with the owner of the, and again, given with the owner's blessings, I believe that any coach brought here will do the same. It's on the organization, the blunders. Absolutely. You got these two guys, Jermaine. Okay? Follow me, Jermaine. You got these two guys over here, and you got the coaching staff over here, and the players are in the middle. That's what you have. Instead of it all being together, which means one decision being made, you, 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 you have no clarity in the room. Don't you see you have too many opinions? I don't care what the next guy's opinion is on how I should approach the Chargers this week. I don't care. I don't want to hear a general manager's approach. I really don't. You know, how he's sitting in on game planning, I would be like this. What is he in here for? They have no interest in asking him an opinion. No interest in asking his opinion on how I should attack the Chargers. You know when Adam, here, let me give you a for instance here. You know when Adam Schefter sits on that desk for NFL Monday Night Countdown? Why is he there? What NFL expertise does he have? Because he tells me who's active and who's not? What, what, what is his professional acronym where I, I think that he has a take or a spin on a game that would make me or an opinion that I care about? I don't care about his opinion. He's not even, a, he's not a draft expert. He's nothing except 
a guy who talks to me about the injury list. Other than that, how did he become an expert? What's his expertise? Somebody calling him up and giving him a story so that then he can become a star on the internet or putting out Jason Pierre Paul's medical records on Twitter. What makes him an expert? He's not an expert. Listening to Adam Schefter talk to me about run blocking is like really a joke. You know who's really great to listen to? Terry Bradshaw's great. You know why? Terry Bradshaw, do you know for the time that he was in Pittsburgh, Terry Bradshaw called his own plays. He didn't have an offense coordinator. And you know what it resulted in? Four Super Bowls in six years. Terry Bradshaw called his own plays with all that wonderful talent that they had. Chuck Noll thought enough of his quarterback to go like this. You call the plays. You're out there. That was Chuck's mentality. Chuck didn't have an ego. Look at these guys today. By the way, you think Patrick Mahomes could call his own game? I don't think so. I think Brady calls his own game. That's the difference between Brady and every quarterback. Brady calls his own game. He calls his own shots. That's what he wanted and why he left New England. That's why. He wanted to be the play caller. He worked. That's why Bruce Arian says he doesn't even go into offensive meetings anymore. It's just him and Leftwich, Brady. Bruce Arian said that last week. I, I never go into meetings anymore. I don't need to. Why should I? Brady and Leftwich, they got it. They'll tell me like later in the week kind of what we're doing. I'll get a sense. I'll give my two cents. And then these guys are going to do whatever they want anyway. That's brilliant. Aaron Rodgers is called his own play. You see what Matt LaFleur is doing constantly on the sideline. All right. I want, you know what? I got to take on this Aaron Rodgers thing with this vaccination. Don't worry. It's not going to be long. Okay. Also, Odell Beckham Jr. up today. Would Eagle fans want him in Philadelphia? Or do you think he needs to be maybe potentially somewhere else? A little bit more on the Chargers. I mean, look, Justin Herbert, I saw him a couple years ago. He's amazing. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. 
Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Metza & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Rogers story with this positive COVID-19 and this coronavirus stuff. I don't care. I could care less. It's none of my business. None of my business. I'm not going to sit here and be one of the guys that pretend when they go on the air that I'm some expert. That's for you guys to decide. Just like if it's Pro-choice or pro-life? That's none of my concern. And if I was in an NFL locker room and somebody asked me that question, I would say this. It's, it's not my business what he does. Yeah, but he affects the team. Listen, man, I got to worry about Dan Cilio in the locker room here. What Aaron Rodgers does to his body medically, one, it's not my business. I always have my teammates back whatever decision he makes. And if his decision is something that goes against mine, that really has no, in, no impact on me and how I look at him or why I'm here. It has no impact. Yeah, but Dan, if you take Aaron Rodgers off the field and you put Jordan Love in, your chances of winning this game against Kansas City this weekend are diminished. Again, that conversation has nothing to do with me. You need to take that up with Aaron. I'm paid to tackle. I'm paid to get sacks. I'm paid to get TFLs. Okay? That's what I'm paid for. I'm not paid to give an opinion on somebody's personal life. I don't know, when did it become fashionable for sportscasters to become pseudo-psychologists and pretend that we know how to psychoanalyze somebody? When I look at Ben Simmons, you ever hear me say that this guy's crazy? I never say that. You know what I say? I say he's lazy. I say he's not engaged. I say he doesn't work at his craft. 
I say he's a poor teammate. You never hear me say this. And by the way, you see he's refusing mental health from the Sixers because he doesn't have it. And again, we're always looking for people that make excuses. There's the king excuse guy right there in Philadelphia history. At the end of the day, Ben Simmons will go down as one of the most hated players ever to play professional sports in the city of Philadelphia. And it's not because he's not a talented kid. You know what people in Philly will look at him as? Man, what could have been? What could have been? I wish to God. People in Philly don't hate Ben Simmons for what he is. People in Philly hate him because you know why? They wish they could have his opportunity. That's what they hate, man. Make millions playing pro sports. You know, I'll tell you guys a quick story here. One of the greatest moments in my life is when I got my NFL helmet. And I put that Buccaneer helmet under my arm and the national anthem started playing. I started crying. I looked up. I saw the Jets fly over. We were playing the Bears. Like I said, that was my first game. Pat Summerall and John Madden are on the call. My first game, there's, there's John Madden going, they just got this kid a couple days ago. Look at this guy. My grandfather told me later on, they're pointing me out going, they just signed him. They just drafted him. I'm like this, man. I'm flying. And you know what I said? Guys, here's exactly what I said. I got the helmet under my arm. I'm going like this. What the fuck am I doing here? I just was like this. What the fuck am I doing here? It's one of the greatest privileges and thrills to play in front of fans. I can't tell you how cool it is. Even, even the rowdiest fans, because they care. You know when they're bitching at you. Hey, by the way, when Philly targets you, or Boston, or Pittsburgh, or anyone targets you, dude, to me, that's a merit badge. I, I always used to look at that as a merit badge. Man, they're looking at big seals here, man. They hate me. Just like on the internet. I used to take it as a big deal when people hated me so much. Jermaine, you saw some of that yesterday, didn't you? Right? Well, that's a merit badge because, like I told you before, if they didn't respond, that means they don't care. That means you're irrelevant. The reason that they respond so much to things that I say is because they care. That's why. Think of that for a minute. You know how many people in life I don't? I care about you guys because you're here and you're taking time out of your day, your disposable time. By the way, the way I look at you guys coming aboard our show each and every single day, Krause Jr. knows this too. You guys are paying to watch me play and watch me be involved in sports. You know why? Disposable income, folks. To me, it's the same thing as disposable time. When, when people, people have very little disposable income and very little disposable time to be wasting on dumb shit. I know I don't. If it doesn't benefit me or my family, I am out. I am completely out. So this thing with Rogers, I could care less. I'm not going to sit in a room and go like this. 
hey, Aaron, no, he should have got vaccinated so he could play against the Chiefs. It's not my place. It's just not my place. And nor do I care again. Why do I care about your health? I mean, what, seriously, I'm not hoping that you die or anything or get sick or you catch the I, I'm not hoping any of that. But if I really think about it, I'm going to sit around and watch the news and watch the news and watch the news and be sad about everybody getting sick or people dying in Afghanistan. I mean, my God almighty, I'd be miserable all day. That's the beautiful thing about my sandbox. Okay, this story with Odell Beckham. Look, obviously the Instagram post has finally gotten to people. And he said, maybe this thing with Baker Mayfield can't be worked out. Okay. Look, I'm going to say it one more time to you. OBJ is a very talented football player. Would I want him on my team? Would I want him on my team? If I had Tom Brady or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, and I had one of those quarterbacks, maybe Justin Herbert, um, maybe, maybe Joe Burrow. You imagine OBJ in Cincinnati on the other side of Chase? Holy cow. People are, hey, man, you put OBJ in Cincy. Put OBJ in Cincy on the other side of Jamar Chase. Holy shit. Man, that would be good looking. Right? Got a, two guys that could just, do you have corners good enough to cover them two dudes? And I promise you, Joe Burrow will get him the ball. Hey, two LS, hey, you'd have three LSU guys. Three LSU dudes. They're in Cincinnati. I think that would be freaky cool. You put Odell Beckham in Cincinnati, Jamar Chase with that kid Joe Mixon in the backfield. And you got Joe Burrow. Man. Man, that'd be good. No, no, I, I agree. East Candom. Hey, East Candom, by the way, man, you shook the world last night, bro. You guys made those folks in New Jersey a little nervous last night, especially in the blue lane. <laughs> hey, man, I saw the Candom results coming in, and I was thinking of you. East Candom, I was thinking of you, dude. All of a sudden, though, I went to bed, and Bergen County was red. When I went to sleep, I woke up, it was blue. I'm like... Must be Jersey, baby. <laughs> right? I was like, hey, what happened, man? They must have found some votes in a drawer somewhere. Your boy Murphy's going to survive, man. I was thinking of you, Camden. I was, man. I saw that Camden County going, holy cow, man. It's on the Philly side over there. Is that bitch red? Holy cow. What happened, man? Four years ago, that thing was blue. What the hell happened, man? That thing turned red. Oh, God dang. Oh, Candom, I was thinking of you, man. You see Murphy, too. He's like, yeah, man. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And of course, it's a Paisan. Way to go, bro. Shake that dude up in New Jersey, man. That whole side over there on Philly, man, right next to Philly border. Like, damn, what happened, man? Little red over there. <laughs> hey, <yeah>, right? <laughs> Hey, man, I thought of you guys last night. I'm like, look at this, man. Virginia, New Jersey, what in the world? Oh, by the way, I guess the uh, cancel culture and um, the race business took a hit last night, huh? Not real good. 
You're right. Odell Beckham doesn't work in Philly. They don't need him right now. You know, hey, they need a running back. They, they, they need a running back right now to help Jalen take some of the stuff off his plate. They need to develop other parts of that team. Like, you know what? Against, against the Chargers, dude, here's the deal for me, man. Go to the tight end more. That kid's a good football player. That kid is a hell of a player. All right, I want to talk about Justin Herbert. That's going to be the Eagles' uh, next quarterback that they're going to have to face. A lot like a Joe Burrow, kind of like a Manning, kind of like a Tom Brady. I'll tell you how you prepare for people like that. College football, top four came out. Not really any, any kind of crazy stories. I really don't think that there's anything crazy. A big game on Thursday night for Carson Wentz, no? We'll talk more Eagles. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
Welcome back. Hour two, National Football Show. Your boy, Dan Jim Miller, Los Angeles Times, covers the Chargers. Will be with us at the bottom of the hour. Hey, do me a favor, guys. Please pound that like button. We really appreciate it. I don't know why I like saying that. Please pound that like button. Hey, Don. You know, in my 30 years of broadcasting, I never thought I would ever hear the phrase, hey, guys, please, please pound that like button. Okay, I, you know, you talk, I guess I'm evolving now, right? Pounding the like button. Hey, don't forget to go to my platforms. Okay. Yeah, yeah where, where's that? My pocket? <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, I'm more of a platform performer today than I am, like, you know, when I first started in sports talk radio, which, by the way, is a dying deal sometimes, especially when you got people up your tailbone constantly telling you what to say and not to say you want to get ratings okay i'd rather push a guy watch this i'd rather pull a guy off the ledge just so you know guys okay this has always been my mentality i'd rather pull a guy off the ledge than push him to the ledge in broadcasting okay do sometimes those guys fall off and go down into the the pit like at 300 yeah, I've been there. I've been there. But I'd rather pull a guy off the ledge. How many times you got to keep pushing people? Say something, man. So many people on these platforms and radio, they're afraid to say shit. Dude, speak your heart. It's not controversial. People will assume it is because you're coming from the heart. That's all we do here. Like I said, I'm not I'm not sitting here ever doing this. I, I, I don't want to see Jalen Hurts have failure. I don't want to see the position that the Eagles are in or your your favorite football team. Look at the Dolphins, man. They had high expectations. Would we not say that the two biggest disappointments so far at the halfway point of the season has to be the 49ers and the Dolphins? Those two football teams, man. Um you know, I mean, those are really, really bad seasons. Last year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the Dolphins won 10 ball games. I mean, uh, the 49ers are saying that they have a Super Bowl roster. Hasn't performed like it. Thank you, William. That's, I guess, hey, William. William says, that's why we deal with you, Big Sales. Maybe that's why, hey, William, maybe that's why my daughter and my wife deal with me, too. Okay. Everybody think when you say something outlandish, it's a hot take. I don't know what a hot take is. What is a hot take? Hot takes. That sounds so nerdy. But people in my business are such nerds. That's probably why they hate me too. I, I wow, that was a hot take. <laughs> Did you say hot cake? Because if you said hot cake, I'll take syrup with that. Oh, and by the way, and Jemima syrup, too, with butter on it. Thank you. Yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah, oh, we're not supposed to say that. That's right, because we're now concerned about changing butter boxes and syrup bottles. Oh, I forgot. We're changing pancakes boxes now. Cassell says, three, Jalen Hurts, for whoever reason, simply cannot connect to his weapons while in the pocket to folks running five-yard slants. 
Cassell, I would say this to you here. Jalen Hurts, they don't have a game plan for him that has any kind of continuity and consistency to it. There's really no approach. There's no structure to the offense. Here, I'll make a point to you guys. When I watched the game against Atlanta, do you remember what I said? Krause Jr. remembers what I said. Do you guys remember what I said? I went like this. Look, this thing was so well constructed. The plays were so well designed. It was fantastic. There's just not integrity to what they're doing on a week-to-week basis. Birdman says, Eagles wasting time, even if Jalen is a bridge quarterback. We need a bridge quarterback that can throw the ball to develop the star wide receivers. Birdman, thank you, and you're right. And you're right. Absolutely. Carl says, I hated you two first time. <laughs> I, I, I hated you first time I heard your voice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Carl, thank you. Then again, my wife said the same thing. Man, you're just here, here, Carl. So you know, my wife will say this to me My God, are you obnoxious? I'm like, I'm not obnoxious. But then again, my daughter, my daughter has this, oh, my, my, my wife gets hammered because my daughter has the same insecurities that I did when I played in college football at Miami. And man, she calls my wife up and just twists her ears off. And I'll try to do everything in my power to help my wife through it. Just go like this. Just, just shake your head and go, yes, it'll go away. It'll settle down. She goes, how do you know? I go, trust me. Okay. It'll go away. Hot take. A piece of commentary typically produced quickly in response to a recent event whose primary purpose is to attract attention. As you can see, it, it, hey, 15, as you can see, sometimes that's not in the best interest of me. If you go over to my Twitter page at Dan Cilio Show. Dan, can you help us understand what was changed fundamentally regarding Patrick Mahomes and his collapse as a top five quarterback and also compare contrast with the issues in Philadelphia with Jalen? I sure will. I'll get back to the structure of what they're not doing. And, and by the way, Cassell, I think that kind of goes in to what your question is on where I was going with the integrity of the offense that they're running in Philadelphia now. Let me go here with you. It's a great question. What's hap- What do you guys think has happened to Patrick Mahomes? Jeff says Gardner time to develop receivers and coaching staff. Could be, Jeff. I've been saying that for two weeks now. I don't care about Jalen Hurts' feelings. Birdman, running game. Guys, let me ask you something. Birdman's on to something here. That's right, run game. Think of this for a second. Doesn't it look a little bit like the same offensive mentality in Kansas City that's in Philadelphia? And when Andy Reid was in Philly, it was kind of the same look. 
Has he not taken what he did in Philly to Kansas City? But the only difference is, is that instead of having Donovan McNabb, who was a hell of a quarterback, he's got Patrick Mahomes to cover so many weaknesses on the team. Think of the structure of Kansas City. It's built the same way as the Eagles are. No running game. You rely on underneath checkdowns. You're not throwing the hill deep anymore. Your tight end, Travis Kelsey, is a non-factor because you can't run the ball. And it's, it's a patience offense. You've got to be more patient today. And you're having too many turnovers. And because of new personnel in the O-line, you're having pre-snap penalties. Those are all things. And get this, instead of scoring 36 points a game like you did two years ago, you're now scoring 30 points a game. You're scoring a full touchdown less today than you were then with more penalties, more turnovers, more pre-snap penalties. The team has walked backwards in Kansas City. If Patrick Mahomes is not the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, they're the Eagles. Am I wrong? Watch this. If you put, if you put Patrick Mahomes in Philadelphia right now, they wouldn't be much better than four and four. You don't have better wideouts than what they have in Kansas City. They do not. The tight end is one of the top two guys in the league, but it'd be the same thing. So to go back to your question, it's fundamentally flawed in the fact that they don't build around running the ball first. Look, the great, great coordinators. The great, great coordinators, they build around the running attack because why? If you don't have play-action pass in today's NFL where defenses are going to be honest and you turn yourself into a one-dimensional football team, think about this if you're the D coordinator. You've already helped me coordinate against you by being one-dimensional, flaw by flawless preparation and your attack and your fundamentals and how your offensive scheme is set up. Your fundamentals in the way that you have constructed your offense is flawed. J-Rock says, that's effing easy. The NFL is purposely destroying black quarterbacks' careers on purpose and lifting up bum asses like Tom Brady. J-Rock. How's that possible? The highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL are black. What are you talking about? Ruining black quarterbacks? The highest paid guys in the league are black. Deshaun Watson makes 38 million. Russell Wilson makes 36 million. Dak Prescott makes 42 million. What are you talking about? Like the highest paid guys in the league are black. What do you mean destroying them? You must have been part of the election last night. Because Virginia won. Everybody in Virginia now is a racist. Oh, Jermaine, hot take, right? Dude, how, how do you say you're ruining black quarterbacks when they're the highest paid guys in the league? Ah. 
Yeah, right. Jeff, Tom Brady's a bum? Since when? Unless you know something I don't know. Maybe like he's a poor tipper or something. <laughs> you're from Philly. Okay. So you're saying they ruined black quarterbacks in Philly. Like Randall? Didn't Randall win an it wasn't Randall an MVP? Oh, he did win that MVP in Minnesota. Donovan McNabb, who went to five straight NFC championship games and won one of them? Michael Vick, who they gave a chance to after murdering those dogs? Interesting. It's an interesting take. But I'm off that avenue. Yeah, <laughs> Lou, thank you. Hey, Lou, let me go back over here. I don't know. I'm out of that. Sorry, I got, hey, you know what? Sometimes, Lou, I'm like a carp in the ocean. You know, you see a shiny lure. You know, you're on something. Xander constantly tells me that. Seals, you're over here, over here. Come here, come here, come here. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you know I, I just saw that, and I was like, uh, you're, you're, you're right, Lou. Hey, silly me. Silly me to be CNN and act like CNN here on the National Football Show. I apologize. You know, because, hey, that's a hot. Take. <laughs> hey, no, 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 Blue, you're right. I mean, dude, when I'm in an NFL locker room, I don't give a fuck what your color is. I care you could play. I care you're a good football teammate. I don't give a shit what you are. Gay, straight, whatever. Can you play, dog? That's all I care. Whatever those internet assassins tell you. That's all I care about. Are you a good dude? And can you play? And will you show up on time? And will you work hard? Other than that, the rest of that stuff is bullshit. Team rules and stuff. And when you hear media guys talking about commitment and non-commitment, what, what do they know? What do they know? They get up off their asses every morning and go to work at 6 o'clock. And you know what they do? They turn a red button on. Unlike people who get up off their ass and have to scrape the ice off their car windows and go to work for eight hours to put food on the table, those are the real people in life I like talking to. Thanks, Jeff. I mean, hey, hey Jeff, way to bring some color to it, okay? He's... <laughs> hey, man, that's totally my fault, man. I, you know what, too? Jim Rome constantly tells me, man, Sills, do me a favor, man. Don't let anybody take you into the gutter. Oy vey. Uh, okay. Let me get you. Hey, I want to really quickly throw this out here to you. And I'll get back to what they need to do against this Justin Herbert team. Because I think the Chargers can be beat. I really do. Four teams in college football. The Hey, get this. You see everybody have a cow last night because Cincinnati was placed, what was it, seventh? In the new bowl. College football playoff, you know, poll that they release. By the way, it means nothing unless it's the last one. The rest of it is just selling advertising spots and creating content. Who cares about the first whatever? I only care about the last one, right? Bama, Georgia, the other two are Michigan State, and it's Oregon. And the rest of them, what I've seen so far through the season – and what I've seen in college football, those have been your four best teams. Mm. And if you want to put Ohio State and Oklahoma 
as the two guys knocking on the door? Sure. Why not Cincinnati, Sills? Thank you, Ken. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, Ken. What, what about Cincinnati? What about them? When you play Eagle Creek University and Little Sisters of the Poor, and you have those people on your schedule, hey, you hear what we're playing this week? We're playing Eagle Creek University. What? Yeah, man, they just had a big win against Helen Keller University. <laughs> I'm going like this. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, and then you talk about somebody else, and you're going like this. Wait, they just played Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Georgia. Sorry, man, you're not getting credit for playing Eagle Creek University in the Navy. Thank you, Monkey Mind. You're always great. All you guys, man. All you guys. Yeah, so when the – and everybody on the internet, oh, my God, see, but like Joe Klatt, think because if you have a really great record, you should be in the conversation for – the college football playoff. I don't. You know what that's like telling me? That's like telling me this. Well, remember that undefeated? Remember that undefeated Patriots team? Well, you know, they got beat by a 10-6 and six Giants team. There's just my point. The Giants were good enough to beat that football team. They were good enough to beat them. It doesn't really matter, okay, what your record is. It matters who you've played, who you've beaten, maybe sometimes even who you've lost to. That matters. So I got Bama, Georgia, Michigan State, and Oregon. And the rest of the teams this year, in my opinion, I think they're just roadkill. Hey, East Cam, they were 9-7 and seven that year. I thought they were 10-6. and six. But in the back of my mind, I did think that they were 9-7 and seven that year that they beat that undefeated uh, Patriots team. Okay? Yeah, a smile. TCU and Baylor got job one year. I'd make it to the postseason. It's a beauty contest when it comes to college football. Okay, man, thank you, brother. Thank you. This Justin Herbert kid that we're going to see against the Eagles, this freaking kid can play. I think he's a cross between Dan Marino and I'm trying to think of another big arm guy that was a big, he's like Big Ben, but with like Marino skills, this guy can whip it. They need to run the ball and they need to play a lot better on the defensive side of the ball. By the way, Jim Miller from the Los Angeles Times is going to join us. I'm going to get his perspective on what he sees so far at the halfway point for the Chargers. They dropped a tough one against the Patriots. This past week, how have they played so far in the first half of the season? We'll do that. We'll get back to your spins. Please keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back, National Football Show, your boy Jim Miller from the Los Angeles Times covering the Chargers will join us here in a couple minutes. I just saw something here with that one guy, J-Rock. NFL's trying to make Brady into the GOAT. He is. Then all of a sudden, the NFL hands him a loaded team. Jameis Winston had the same team. Oh, and by the way, nobody wanted Antonio Brown. Nobody wanted Antonio Brown. Nobody was going to bring him in except Tom Brady. He got his buddy Gronk to come out of retirement. Won a Super Bowl. So, again, I'm I'm assuming you think the league's rigged. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy thinking, man. The league is rigged. Ken says he wanted A, B. He was right, 10 and 6. I was thinking of 2011 season. Okay. Okay. Tom had him living with his kids. I know. It's crazy, man. I think, hey, that's clearly his most impressive Super Bowl win. Brady going to the Bucs with a brand-new coaching staff and everything and winning that Super Bowl is easily one of the most impressive things that he's ever accomplished. I mean, this guy picks up and he just goes to Tampa and like nothing changed when he was in New England. It, and, and you look at what's going on in New England. Now, they're playing better, by the way. That win against the Chargers was a pretty um, convincing win. They got a turnover. They scored late. 
New England, by the way, I'll say this to you, that New England team kind of reminds me a little bit of the 2001 team, you know, where it kind of came from nowhere. I'm not saying Mac Jones is going to lead, you know, lead that team to a Super Bowl, but I'm saying they're playing better. You're starting to see, and I think you're starting to see the influence of what they're trying to get him to do, and that is not turn that football over, okay? They're, they're playing a lot better. And I thought they really knocked the Chargers on their heels last week against New England. You know, I, I I thought that they did. You know, if you go back and watch a little bit of that ball game, it looked like almost the same kind of game plan that they had against Justin Herbert that they had against Tom Brady when the Buccaneers went up to Gillette. Ha, ha, and what they did was, and what I mean by is, when you play against a team that's got a quarterback like Tom Brady or a guy like Kurt Warner or Peyton Manning or somebody like that, and somebody that has that kind of skill set, what's the number one thing you're trying to do? Monty Kiffin told me this a long time ago. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get that guy off his point, off his spot. Every quarterback, once he gets back into his seven step, some nine step, every guy that gets back there, what do they do? They find their spot. And getting to that spot is what really makes these guys because – they're comfortable. They get to their spot. They process the intel. They look at their reads. One, two, three. The great ones can go four and five. Those are the truly great ones, okay? So when you're playing against a guy like a Justin Herbert or somebody that can whip that rock around the yard, you're trying to get him like this, moving laterally, okay? Because you know, listen, you know for a fact Justin Herbert's not going to try to take off and he's not, even though he is fast, he's surprisingly more athletic than what you think. He's a pretty smart kid, and his skill set is coming out way more than it did when he was at Oregon. I thought a little bit of that Oregon offense there with Mario Cristobal, but Mario told me that. He said we kept him kind of confined because we had a pretty good running attack. And what's Mario Cristobal, the head coach's background? Mario was a national champion college football player when he was at the University of Miami. And so his mentality is going to be more try to ground and pound it, third down passes. So they kind of kept him in that, you know, they kept him on that rail for a while. But since that, he's been in the NFL. Let's think of something here with Justin Herbert, too. You know, people like to make excuses up all they want for a guy like um, Baker Mayfield. Justin Herbert's had a couple head coaches, a couple coordinators couple shifts in mentality on how you approach your offensive fundamentals on how you're trying to win ball games. He's had them change too. And that guy looks like he's really had no drop off. He is a star on the horizon. That kid can throw. He's tough. He's accurate, man. That guy's got every intangible on being a really, truly great player. And when we had Tom Telesco on the program a couple months ago, Tom said this, he goes, look, when we were evaluating him and we were talking about what guys that were out there, think of this right now. Chris Greer was asked a question yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but Chris Greer, the general manager of the Dolphins, was asked the question, you guys think you made a mistake by drafting Tua over Justin Herbert? And the right response is the exactly the correct response that – Chris Greer gave. That's for you guys to decide. Everybody sees it, though. Okay? 
everybody sees it. So this week against Justin Herbert, in my opinion, I think this football team has to move him around in that pocket. Same thing that New England did last weekend. You've got to have disguise coverages. Disguise coverages. And if it were me on the other side of the football too, I would do exactly what I did last week by running the football as effectively as I did and just keep grinding it out. They ran the ball for 46 times. They ran the ball over 200 yards. Look, you're not going to do that each and every single game when you play in the NFL. But if you can get that balance going there, that's going to keep that game close. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to have three and outs against Justin Herbert and that Los Angeles Chargers offense because it's very effective and that kid can throw the ball. And as I told you, when I was talking to my friend Mario Cristobal a couple of years ago, I can't believe the skill set that this kid has. All right. Let's get to somebody that's got a little bit more of an insight here with what's going on with the Chargers. A couple months ago, as I told you guys, we had Tom Telesco on the program, the general manager of the um, of the Chargers. And I asked him who the hell Brandon Staley was and how this team was going to look. And, boy, I'll tell you, they've really had a pretty good first half. Tim, uh, Jeff Miller joins us from the Los Angeles Times. Jeff, I appreciate you doing this. Give me your sense of how you think They've acted so far and played so far in the first half of the season. I know we're not quite there yet. We're almost there like we were back in the old days, extra game being added. But how do you think they've performed this year? I think, Dan, I think they played uh, about, uh, you know, about as well as you could expect. They had a tough schedule. You know, new coaching staff, rookie head coach, uh, a lot of new uh, pieces around here, uh, you know, off the field in terms of the coaching staff. And we didn't really know what to expect coming into the season, right? I mean, you have a new a whole new system on both offense and defense. And uh, it, it, we knew it was going to take a little while and they had a tough schedule to start and to be sitting at four and three, I think at this point, it, it's a good sign. I think it's an encouraging sign. I, I think the Chargers, if you had, you know, back in the, at the end of August and said, would you be okay being four and three uh, off the, out of the gate? I think they would have said, sure, we'll take that. Cause it, there were just a lot of uncertainties and, you know, they've had some great moments some not great moments, but I think overall they, they performed, uh, uh, pretty well, I think. Who's Brandon Staley? And you know what? I, I tell you this, Jeff. I I threw this at Tom, and I've known Tom now for like 15 years. And I said, Tom, I, I, I've never heard of the guy. I mean, then again, I barely heard of Nick Sirianni. I knew he was the uh, wide receiver coach in San Diego when Frank Reich was down there. And that's kind of the connection and all that. So I kind of got these connections. But I'm like, who's Brandon Staley? And how do you think he's fit into this new job here, being the head coach of the Chargers? Yeah, it's, it's funny, Dan. When he got the job, all, I just knew he was the char the Rams' defensive coordinator. But had he been the defensive coordinator of the Panthers or the Jaguars, I might not even know who he was. I, you know, that's the only, so the only reason I knew him was because he was here in town. So we all knew, and we knew what the Rams' defense was doing. So at least we knew he, he you know, he had a, a reputation for being a really good coach, but. You know, like a lot of people, I think when he got the job, it was, you know, let's Google him. And we're, we're, you know, what's his what's his background? You know, and, and you go back and look, and he hasn't even been coaching that long and had never been a head coach at any level and hadn't been in the NFL very long. So I think a lot of us initially were, were, were surprised just because it's like, you know, you're used to these uh, teams, you know, hiring people who at least maybe have been through the hiring cycle, the head coaching thing at least once or twice. And his name, he never had been until this time around, but he's been really impressive. He's a super, super smart guy. Uh, every day, you know, we talk to him 
he says something that I, I didn't know. He, he, you know, he, I, you know, he's, he's constantly teaching me about football. Not that that takes any great uh, expertise because I'm, I don't have, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a place like most fans. I don't know what, what I'm watching either, but he's a, he's a super smart guy. And I think, you know, the way they started, yeah, in their four and one, every, you know, everybody around here, you know, we start all thinking, my God, is this, is it really this easy? And everybody is, uh, everything seems to be working so well and they're going for on fourth down they're making it. You know, they're winning games at the end, you know, making plays at the end, which they haven't always done in the past few seasons. And then we, the last couple of weeks we've seen, uh, obviously, they've uh, had a couple of rough games, uh, a couple of back-to-back games with a bye week in between there. But um, so we're seeing a little bit more now maybe uh, of what of what this guy's made of when now we're seeing some uh, some genuine hardships and some things where they really have had a rough patch. So. We'll see it now, you know, this this week and then this weekend. It'll be interesting to see how they respond because this is the first time things have gone poorly for them. So, uh, but to, to get back to your question, he he really he's been impressive and he's great with us and the players all believe him and he he is a really really smart guy. He, he knows what he's talking about. No, I'm impressed with him too. I mean, you know, just hearing him talk about the game and how he talks about the locker room and sometimes intertwining the game, you know, the play calling and being a head coach. That's not the easiest chore, especially in your first year when you've never really had the experience of being a head guy. But I will say this, you know, watching a little bit of that Patriots-Chargers game, am I right when I say this, Jeff, just you being around the team here, that they're struggling a little bit on defense, aren't they? I mean, especially when it comes to stopping the run, that that's been a major contingent of what maybe we're seeing over the last couple weeks, that there's been some tendencies to run the ball in between the tackles. Um, against his Charger team, and that's maybe been some of the problems. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. They they've really struggled to stop the run. They uh, their pass defense is actually pretty good. It has been pretty good statistically, and they haven't given up a lot of big plays, which is something like a lot of teams are doing now. They're doing the same thing. They don't want to give up those big explosive plays, and they haven't. But their run defense has been bad. You know, they haven't. They don't have a lot of sacks, but they you know, like I said, their pass defense is is uh, has been good. So. Uh, you know, overall, defensively, they they've had some rough moments trying to stop the run. Certainly, and they'll let you know as the last couple of weeks specifically, it's you know their their big issue is on offense. They've really kind of hit the wall the last two two games, and and I think you know they've gotten out coached, outplayed by a lot. And uh, you, you're seeing you know you're seeing the results of of that is that they just they're they're having a really difficult time. You know, their defense does play well. Their offense hasn't been able to do anything the last two weeks when it when it mattered, they got a late touchdown Sunday, which made it look a little better, but uh, it's been a real struggle uh, on the offensive side too. So uh, they're, you know, both aspects of it, they're, they've had a difficult time. Let's, let's go over here to the Justin Herbert. You know, I, 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 as I was bringing you on, Jeff, I had a chance to know him because one of my dearest friends is Mario Cristobal. And he said flat out, he goes, Sills, we kind of held him back because we had a pretty good running game at Oregon. So we didn't really ask him to throw the plus 25 pass down the field as much as he has obviously in the NFL, but just your overall um, impression of what you've seen with him so far. Let me just, I'll bury the lead on you with me. I think the kid's one of the most impressive throwers of the football for that size. And he's Marino with speed in a way, the way he throws the ball. I mean, I'm just impressed. I mean, you get a chance to see him a lot. Give me your assessment on what you see with him. Yeah, he, he you, you nailed it. I think you, you, you're, what you're seeing is exactly what we're seeing. Uh, he's, 
he's been uh, he's been beyond impressive. And he, 22 games into his career, the last two weeks, this is really the first time, last two games, rather, this is really the first time where we've seen him struggle, where it's been an extended period where, you know, he's had some bad stretches during games. But the last two games have been, it, it's been a struggle for him. And I think, uh, I think he's been confused with what the defenses are doing. I think these, uh, you know, you're going against John Harbaugh and Martindale with the Ravens, and you're going against Belichick and the Patriots. I mean, <laughs> coaches who've won Super Bowls, who know defense. You know, they, they, they know what they're doing. And they teams have, uh, you know, they've identified that this guy's got a rocket. He can throw the ball along. We saw a lot of that last year. We haven't seen that this year. And I think that's mostly because of the way teams are defending him. And they've just, they've just decided we're not going to let this guy – drop back and throw 50 yard bombs, uh, which we saw him do repeatedly last year. So it's kind of that situation now where he's, he's learning to adjust. He certainly has been put in some, you know, du- you know difficult positions, uh, especially on Sunday with the, with the protection in front of him wasn't great. There were a lot of pressures and uh, Matt Judon had a great game for the, for New England. I mean, he's just, you, you can see, you know, we've seen, stuff from Justin the last two games that we hadn't seen in the first 20 of his career where he he just looks out of it. He looks out of sync because he and his receivers look a little bit out of it and they just don't seem to be on the same page, that kind of stuff. And I think more than anything that that speaks to what the defenses are doing. And I, like I said, I you know, these, these these coaches, they've been out work too. They've been out coached. You know, they, the, these last two games have not been pretty and, uh, it, it, it reflects uh, on everybody, and, and you're seeing it's been – they've gotten their tails kicked the last two games. And um, so that's, again, what would be interesting to see what they can do on Sunday if they can bounce back. But your, your observations about Herbert are, are right on. He, he's been beyond, I think, anything that uh, the Chargers would have expected. He, he's met expectations and gone beyond. I don't think there's any question about that. Jeff, two more questions here for you, and I, w- I want to expand a little bit on this thing here, what you just said about maybe struggling over the last couple of weeks because, as you know, in this league, you know, they start to get the book on you a little bit, and they start seeing your strengths and weaknesses, and these coordinators, if you don't adjust, that's why that second year with many of the players, you see maybe a drop back because how much preparation have you done to improve your game so that you add another element to your game for these coordinators to have to coordinate against, and I think sometimes these young players, they fall into that, then they fall back a little, then they catch up. And to me, it comes down to patience. You know, we're seeing the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. You know, every team, like the Giants on Monday night, what they did, they knew that he was going to complete passes. So what they did, they played an umbrella defense. They let him throw everything underneath. They let him in wait for the the turnover or the penalties that were going to happen on the team. And they just outpatient him so that they could keep themselves in that ball game. Is this something that maybe Justin has to learn? Hey, if it's not open deep, it's okay to punt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's okay to punt. So is it just part of the learning curve? I think so. And I think you you said it exactly. What you just described is exactly what New England did on Sunday. That is exactly what they did. They they and after the game, you know, Staley talked about you got to be patient, you got to stay disciplined. And I think that's where we saw the Chargers maybe didn't do that on offense. And I think we saw with with Herbert, maybe he got a little impatient. And then on top of that, you add he's dropping back, and, and now he's got pressure. He's got guys coming at him, and now it just sort of – the whole thing sort of accelerates. Uh, and, and I think that's exactly what we've seen with, with the last two games, especially on Sunday. That What you described, you could have been talking about the Charger game easily. That's exactly what, what it was. And I think that – I think it would be silly not to 
either have it expected that to happen, right? You, you yeah. said it. This, this is what happens in the NFL. So you, you knew it was going to happen at some point. It is happening. And it, I think it also would be silly not to think, given what he's done, what he did last year, what he did in college, that he's going to figure this out and he's going to get better. And a year from now, we, we could look back at this stretch and he could have a game like what happened on Sunday, only they, they turn it around during the game, they make adjustments, he rises up, makes a play at the end of the game, and they win. And we could look back to what happened last week against the Patriots and say, there it was. He learned. He figured it out. Now he's adjusting to what they're, they've been doing to him. So I think that's what uh, is, is uh, very much could be what's happening here. And I think that's what the Chargers hope is happening. And, and I would say sitting right now, they're, they're probably going to be proven correct. I mean, he's struggling right now, in my opinion, at least, a little bit with zone coverages right now. And that looks a little bit there because people are – gonna they're going to give you the 10-yard under and they're going to give you the checkdowns and they want you to do all that stuff. And what they're going to play is they're going to play tough red zone defense. So my last question, I don't know if you know this, but I was on the Mighty 1090 down in San Diego at the time and the whole thing with the relocation with the Chargers was an absolute mess, at least on the San Diego side. And – they had to go up to Carson and play, and it was playing in a soccer field. I never complained about it because the players don't have anything to do about it. It's not—it's a business decision by the league. The value of the team has gone up because of the move, being in L.A. Common sense will tell you that. How has that transition been today compared to when it was maybe a couple years ago? Because to me, when I was in L.A., I couldn't find a Chargers hat. How is that presence being felt today? Yeah, it's changed a lot the last couple of years. I think Herbert's had a lot to do with it. Them, them coming up, winning, winning four to five. I mean, there was genuine, you know, a couple of weeks ago around here and around, you know, Southern California. You there was, people were starting to get behind this idea of you know Rams Chargers Super Bowl. I mean, it actually started to, you know, it wasn't just like oh, wouldn't it be crazy if that happened. It was like, man, this this actually could happen. And uh, we've seen the Rams have been able to keep it going, but the Chargers not so much. So. Uh, it, it has changed. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They came out this week with a plan to build a new uh, uh, facility in, in El Segundo down not near the airport, you know, not too far from SoFi Stadium. So uh, I, I think uh, that, you know, along with what uh, the excitement around Herbert, it, it definitely has changed. I, there's uh, much more of a sense now that this is an L.A. team and that they're here to stay. It's funny. I got a response from people with that story the other day about them having their new practice facility in L.A., people were like, oh, wow, so it sounds like they're really going to stay. So I don't, I, I don't know people – there's still there's still this idea. I think they were going to go back to San Diego or they were going to go to Europe, that whole story from a couple of years. I don't know what it was, but it was almost like some people thought, oh, I guess they are going to be here. So uh, I think everybody's now has figured out that, yeah, you know, they didn't move into SoFi Stadium to be there for a year and a half or anything. Um, but it, I think – I'm with you. You do see more Charger stuff. You know, you're, you walk around town, you walk into a gym, there's people wearing lightning bolts. So you do see it. So it does seem like they're 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 getting a little bit of a foothold here. It's it's still a long way to go. And they're, they're still battling a lot of uh, other distractions here. But uh, they do seem to be making some headway, certainly. Well, if you could do anything and put in the Dean Spano suggestion box, here here's just one suggestion. Don't schedule the Raiders. <laughs> 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 just don't schedule the Raiders for a home game. <laughs> yeah, I think if they could avoid that, they would. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, they, they would just assume play. You know, if we got to play a, you know, let's go to Seattle and play the Raiders. 
Absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much. I hope we can do this again. I really appreciate you coming aboard. No problem. Anytime. You got it. That is Jeff Miller from the Los Angeles Times. We'll take a brief time out. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Welcome back. National Football Show. And let's go, Brandon. Handed out a mask to me for trick or treat. I TP his house. <laughs> I would egg his house. <laughs> you, you, okay. Oh wait, wait, wait. Is that is that not right? Or you know, politically correct? Whatever, dude. You hand me an apple or a mask, dude. You're getting TP'd or you're getting eggs. I done. <laughs> okay, I done. Ain't working. By the way, one of Thank Jeff Miller for coming aboard from the Los Angeles Times. By the way, did you hear what he said about what Herbert is struggling with right now? Man, I wish I could send Jonathan Gannon a note right now and tell him, dude, do what 
do exactly the same thing that the New York Giants did against Patrick Mahomes. Play zone defense. Disguise your coverages. Disguise your fronts a little bit. He's struggling with zone reads right now. I'm talking the quarterback of the Chargers. So if this is me, don't bring pressure on him because he's pretty good at really throwing back into the blitz and he's pretty good throwing back into the pressure. I would say this right now. Put that zone defense back there because you truly don't really have a lot of people back there, okay, that can really make giant plays for you. So I'd play zone defense against this Charger offense this weekend. Jermaine says, Big Dan, what was the first car you had in the NFL? Should I should I tell you what my very first car was? And I didn't own it in the NFL, Jermaine. I owned it at the University of Miami. I've post Jermaine, I'll post a picture of my Corvette. I had a red Corvette. And it, I'll I'll post a picture of it. That was my first vehicle and I owned it when I was in college. Monkey mine, the deep ball he's struggling with. You know, Monkey, I I watched him against what the Patriots did. They played a lot of that zone defense on him, man. And he had struggles when it came to being patient. Ernest says Gannon needs to be on the hot seat. Okay, if he doesn't adjust, I agree. Bobby says, Dan, I need somebody to talk to. How can I contact you? Well, you can contact me on Twitter. I don't know. Mike Smith, do you? I don't know. Get this. They're talking about Miami playing in the Gator Bowl against Florida. Get to 500. Oh, they are at 500. All right, get above 500. Yeah, hey, Jermaine, I'll, I'll, I'll post a picture of my Corvette. That was my first car. Here are my first couple cars I had. Just so you know what kind of lunatic that I was, here's my first cars. Corvette, Lotus. I don't even know how I fit in it. A Maserati Quadraport. A Porsche 911. I owned them all at once. Brandon says, little red Corvette. <laughs> you sit to pee. Brandon, kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, by the way, it was candy apple red. Big Seals look good in it, too. I'm going to post it on Twitter. I got a great picture of me sitting. By the way, it's a picture taken when I was at the University of Miami uh, in the uh, team parking lot. Oof. <laughs> Yo, dude, man. Hey, can I tell you how I got the car? So here's what I did. You know those Lloyds of London policies for players, you know? So I brought a Lloyds of London policy into Jimmy Johnson. He signed it, and it was for $500,000, okay? It was for five hundred grand. and alumni guy in the community gave me the premium to pay for it. Jimmy signed it, so I took it into a thing back in the day. It was called Sun Bank. We used to have these banks all over South Florida. I got a $35,000 loan. I went down to Anthony Abraham, which is, I think it's that auto nation now. And by the way, Norman Brayman, he sent me, the former owner of the Eagles. This is funny. Norman sent me 
to a guy named Anthony Abraham. And so Anthony Abraham looks at me and he goes, what do you want? Because he's a Miami alum. You know, I go, I want a car, man. And he goes, okay, what are you going to pay? Well, I don't really, he goes, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. You pay me a dollar a month. But when you sign your contract, your payments go to $600 a month. Is that fair? And I went like this. Yeah, sure. So sure enough, man, I got the loan. <laughs> That's exactly how I got that car. I'm driving around campus with this brand new, had three miles on it, this Corvette. Guess who I pull up at a red light? He's right in front of me. I pull up like this. I pull up and I'm there. I got the top down. I'm freaking like this driving. Miami's under so much scrutiny anyway. Our, our, our car lot looked like we were like the Miami Dolphins car lot. I'm just driving up there, man. I'm just like this. And I see this guy in front of me. He's in his rear view mirror. So I look and I see the Cadillac. I'm like, holy shit. It's Jimmy. I go, hey, I felt like Odell Beckham today, man. I'll tell you what happened. I pull over. He gets out of the car, Jimmy Johnson. You motherfucker. What the fuck is this? What is this? What is this? Where did you get this car? I go like this. I found it. You fucking found a Corvette where? Under a tree? I went, coach, it's legal. It's fucking legal. It's legal. It's legal. Really? Look at me. In the I go, I think it is. He goes, you think it is. You're off the team. Get the fuck out of my face. I'm like, no, no. Oh, my God. I was so upset. All-American candidate, everything, man. I get a call from Myrna, secretary. Coach Johnson wants to see you. I fucking go like this. Oh, my God. I walk up there. You're up. You're back on the team. I don't want to see that fucking car until you're done playing. Do we understand one another? I don't care where you park it. But I goes, I went, all right. So I took it over to my boy's place and parked it. <laughs> I was like, man, hey. And I made my friend drive it. So if anybody saw me, I'm like, it wasn't my car, coach. I was just in the passenger seat. Yeah, oh, my God, man. You found it. You fucking fat. Oh, my God. He went nuts on me, man. You know they're on us. You know what you guys were doing with those credit cards and all that. We were like, what do you know what you're talking about? He goes, oh, bullshit. You know what you're doing with those credit cards. The goddamn FBI came down here. And we're talking to all you guys. I was like, yeah, well, you know, I." he goes, let me guess. You found the credit cards, too. I'm like, I, yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, what do you think? What'd you guys think, man? University of Miami under Jimmy Johnson? We won with choir boys? What, did you think we were choir boys or something? Dude, everybody had a big car. Jerome, oh my God, Jerome Brown. He had a grand national. Well, you know, Jerome, he died because of speed. Do you know what he used to do at the old vet? Jerome had this. <laughs> Jerome had this. He had this motorcycle. This Suzuki something, whatever it was. And it was it went like 200 miles an hour. And Jeff Fisher used to do this. I think Jeff Fisher was the D-line coach, right, for Buddy. And Jerome is in that parking lot where the vet was, and he's going 150 miles an hour 
on their brakes up and down this thing. And he's just fucking flying, man. Everyone's like, this guy's going to kill himself. Jerome loved to go fast. He was crazy as shit, man. God rest his soul, man. Do I miss that guy? That guy's crazy, man. Yeah, now, Jermaine, now look, people with the nil deals. Hey, dude, if I was in today's game, I'd have a pizzeria named after me. <laughs> Big Sills Flat Dish Pizzas, baby. We'll open one up also on Broad Street, too, right? Hey, right? Or in South Camden. How you doing? Hey, listen, guys, do me a favor. Hey, man, pound that. I love to say it. Pound that like button. We really appreciate it. If you missed any of the show, please go back and watch it. We really thank you guys so much for coming aboard. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic over the last couple of weeks. You guys have expanded the show big time. Till tomorrow, 4 to 6 Eastern. We'll catch you on the flip side. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.